There are challenges from the economic point of view. There are fears about what would happen with certain forms of employment. And there are, of course, concerns about how it could change many aspects of society, of political life, of our cultural evolution, how it could affect human rights. Hello, this is the weekly Tradecast, the podcast brought to you by UNCTAD, the UN's trade and development body. I'm Sarah Toms. We're exploring how major events are shaping trade and development and how that affects billions of people around the world. This week, we're talking about artificial intelligence and its growing presence in our lives. Already, we have chatbots that can write essays and driverless cars and trains. Computers can beat world chess champions and nearly human robots emulate our expressions. The real potential has not even been realized. Some people believe AI can save the world. Others fear it will destroy us. Just recently, Elon Musk and hundreds of experts called for a pause in AI development over potential risks to society and humanity. Well, what are the opportunities and what are the threats? Joining me now to find out is Angel Gonzalez, head of UNCTAD's technology, innovation and knowledge development branch. During nearly 30 years as an UNCTAD economist, Angel has focused on technology and innovation. From the unintended changes they bring to their fantastic powers to improve people's lives. Well, welcome to the show today, Angel. Thank you, Sarah. Artificial intelligence... It seems to cover many things. So what is AI and what can it do? Well, what we call AI is the ability of some machines to engage in what we call cognitive uh, activities. Cognitive activities are things like solving problems, taking decisions, making sense of a certain set of facts or a situation. And these are things that we usually associate with the human brain. What we are now finding is that it's also possible for machines to do it. What they are good at, normally, or at this point of development, they are very good at dealing with situations within a very well-defined set of circumstances, like, as you said, driving a train in an underground railway, for example, or playing chess, where the rules are very well defined. What they are not so good at is how to deal with facile situations, like driving a car in the middle of traffic in the center of the city, or dealing with inconsistent sets of facts. And that's why probably artificial intelligence is not very good at humor. Ah, (laughs) well, there are some things that we're still better at. What would you say are the dangers and the challenges to AI? There are challenges in different directions, challenges from the economic point of view. There are fears about what would happen with certain forms of employment. And uh, of course, since this is the first time that technological change is affecting deeply white collar workers, that's a serious concern. Then there are, of course, concerns about how it could change many aspects of society, of political life, of our cultural evolution, how it could affect human rights. The impact could be really very important in many different dimensions, probably more than earlier uh, technological revolutions. You mentioned jobs. Now, there have been a lot of reports in the news that AI could make many jobs obsolete. What kind of workers face the biggest threats? And where could there possibly be opportunities for them in the future? Well, I think um, more than speaking about jobs, it would be more useful to speak about tasks, tasks that will probably be taken over by artificial intelligence systems. So you are looking at some cognitive tasks that white uh, collar workers used to focus on, like, for example, checking invoice in an accountant's office, uh, insurance claims, things like that. 
uh, the, uh, get in the background for a legal case uh, uh, that uh, paralegals do in lawyer's office, that kind of work. But that doesn't mean that the jobs themselves are threatened necessarily. That means that the jobs, the nature, the content of the job will change and uh, hopefully the people employed in that kind of job would be able to concentrate on more rewarding, more creative parts of their activity. One should remember that uh, the law of comparative advantage still applies, so it still makes sense to use people where they are better, even if they are not better than uh, an artificial intelligence system in the overall assessment of their effectiveness, of their productivity. Now, we've all heard about the letter that was signed by Elon Musk and many other experts mm. about the ethical and real risks of AI. Could computers become too smart? And, and what would that mean? Are they right to be concerned? Well, this letter is certainly a very useful call of attention about what are the potential pitfalls of artificial intelligence and also drawing the attention of people to the fact that uh, probably this technology, like other technologies in the past, is evolving at a faster pace than our ability to fully understand the implications for the future. So in that sense, it's a useful call. Now, is it possible that the technological development will be paused for a while? I don't think so, because of the commercial presses that mm -hmm. many operators are confronted with, but also artificial intelligence is at the center of a geopolitical rivalry between small number of countries. I don't know if it really makes sense to say that a system is too smart, <laughs> but to the extent that that is possible, it will probably depend on the kind of feedback that the system uh, receives from their human uh, creators. And uh, it will evolve in a certain direction based on the models that we choose as a society for the, de the development of, of the system, the kind of ethical standards that we put in place. And after all, human intelligence has done very, very awful things. So mm. uh, should it be artificial intelligence? Should it be any worse than human <laughs> intelligence? I don't know. It's a rather depressing thought on how. Does AI create an even wider digital gap for developing countries then? Or are there also opportunities perhaps in these countries? There are opportunities because like any other technology, when it's at its very early uh, stages. If you get yourself ready and jump on the uh, on the wagon in time, you can still capture some mm -hmm. windows of opportunity. And Antar has been writing on this in a different context, uh, speaking about uh, renewable technologies, but it's in general applicable to uh, new technological developments. Uh, for those who jump on the revolution at the early stage, there are uh, possibilities to capture some of the of the benefits, but it is very difficult because the uh, investments that are needed uh, are huge and the uh, data set on which artificial intelligence systems are uh, developed are very, very concentrated in uh, uh, developed countries. So there are risks. Uh, for example, what will happen with developing countries, the cultures of uh, smaller uh, nations or nations that don't have uh, such a big presence on the internet where the artificial mm. intelligence systems are drawing their data for learning, for development. Will these cultures be completely ignored in a situation where artificial intelligence becomes more and more important in defining human and economic and political changes? So there are serious risks, but there are also opportunities and an important or interesting trend is that there is also open source models of development of artificial intelligence that are available to almost everyone who has a moderately powerful computer and access to the internet. 
Could you tell me a bit more about the concerns about privacy and misinformation? Also, people perhaps taking credit for work done by chatbots. Where are we going with this? What we uh, certainly uh, see is that this is a very powerful technology and all powerful technologies that have uh, significant impact on the lives of people are being regulated. Cars are regulated, electricity mm. is regulated, uh, pharmaceuticals and medical practices regulated. So artificial intelligence really needs to have at least some guardrails, some uh, safety standards that need to be agreed on how this technology is going to be developed and deployed and used and what is good practice, what is not acceptable. We really need to set in place some uh, rules for this. What common standards then do we need to maximise this potential but minimise the risks? Is it possible to find agreement and enforce it? It will be probably not easy because you can see already that different uh, countries have been taking different approaches. Some are more favourable to a light touch mm. uh, regulation uh, with the idea being that uh, since this is a technology of development driven mainly by the private sector, mm. you don't want to stifle innovation. Then there are people or countries who think that a, a slightly stronger regime uh, may be necessary with some limits to what can be done or what cannot be done. And then there are even other groups of countries that are probably have a stronger in, uh, intervention of the public sector in the development of the technology itself. So it's probably not going to be easy. At the same time, one could perhaps compare this to the situation when the nuclear uh, technology was developed. And then at the beginning, obviously, there was no international framework for this, but eventually the risk of proliferation were so clear that we uh, had the establishment of the International Agency for Atomic Energy with certain power to establish uh, uh, regulations to inspect installations and to make sure that at least a minimum level of security is guaranteed for everyone. So why not? It's it's uh, certainly a possible approach. There are other approaches like in international air transport where there is not an, an UN agency, but there is a similar framework that all countries have agreed to respect in terms of the security levels that uh, international transport needs to respect. So ideally, we should go into that direction, whether it is something doable in the short-term time that is available considering the speed at which the technology is development, that's another issue, but we really should uh, make an effort in that direction. That's quite a comparison there, Angel. <laughs> Thank you uh, so much for that. Thank you to UNCTAD's Angel Gonzalez, who is this week's guest. Tune into the weekly Tradecast next week and every week for more insights on the most pressing issues around the world of trade and development. There's even more on our website, unctad.org. I'm Sarah Thomas in Geneva. Goodbye for now.